You guys, uh, I, I grew up in church. Uh, I grew up in a conservative, traditional church. At, you know, we sang hymns, and uh, we had Sunday school. And when I was 14 years old, there were two men who came to speak at our youth group. Uh, how do I describe them? They were, um, they were raging charismatics. That's <laughs> That's how I would describe them. And uh, so they came to our youth group, and they just started to share about their, their lives. And they would d- share these radical stories. And I remember hearing all this and just feeling really inspired. One of these men was named Steve Evans, and he was a worship leader in the Vineyard Movement. And... Um, so, you know, he was there, and he, he spoke, and then afterwards he had some time with my, my youth leader, and he's talking to my youth leader, and he says, you know, one of your kids, like, what was, what was, what was his name? That, you know, that one, that one. And my youth leader was like, what do you mean? You mean Andrew? He's like, yeah, 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 that one. Um, he said, God has a call on his life. I, I think he's going to go into ministry. And the funny thing is my youth leader was like, no, 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 not that, not that one. <laughs> he, he was like, we're not expecting much from that one. And I, I'm, 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 I'm being serious. That, 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 that's really what he said. And, uh, but you're not surprised. But, um, but sure enough, in the next meeting that he had where we met him again, I gave my life to Christ. And I became a Christian. And then he shared a prophecy about me that... I was going to go into ministry, and I was going to be a leader in, in the church. Now, i got to say, it's been about 15 years of full-time ministry, and I, I look back at that prophetic word, and it is so amazing that it's, it's come true. I mean, that was a prophetic word that, that totally uh, just came true. And, uh, and so this, this Sunday, it's another turning point in our series on the Holy Spirit and during this series, um, it's really comprised of three parts. The first part was theological. If you remember, we talked about the long view of the Spirit from creation all the way into present time. We talked about the Trinity and the unique roles of each member of the Trinity. And then we went into part two, and we became more practical. And we started to share about the practice of waiting on the Spirit We talked about how the Spirit makes us bold, and then last Sunday, we talked about how the Spirit makes the love of God real. And and so today, we start part three, and we're addressing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today, we start and we talk about prophecy, and so today's message is very personal because prophecy has been... played a significant role in, in shaping my life, and so today is, is more personal in, in nature. Let me, let me first say this. Now, I, I've made some, some observations in it, just about Christendom, and it seems to me that there's, two, there's been two camps that have sort of emerged. Now, please forgive me, this is overly simplistic, this is generalizing, I'm being blunt, um, so forgive me beforehand, but, but one camp that has sort of emerged 
is one that practices the power of the Spirit. And, um, and they're kind of loose and liberal in theology. Like, uh, they, they won't really teach through the Scriptures, and they'll use it as a launching point to what they feel the Spirit wants to say, like, right here and now. Okay? So that's, that's one sort of camp that I've kind of noticed. And, um, and, and another camp is um, it, they teach the Bible, and they stay within the lines of Scripture and orthodoxy. They memorize God's Word. Um, they meditate on God's Word, but they don't really practice the power of the Spirit. And, and now, fundamentally, I just have to say, I don't really understand that. I don't really get that. Because what you see in the Scripture is something beautiful and inseparable, this combination of God's Word and God's Spirit of Scripture and power. I mean, you have someone like the Apostle Paul, and he's, you know, he's writing like the book of Romans, and it's this beautiful theology. He loves theology, right? That's really clear. But this same Apostle was the one that was one time he was preaching, and he looked at a guy who was crippled, and he just knew that the guy had faith, and then he just reached out on the spot and healed him. That was the same guy. There's no separation of two camps. And so, you know, for a long time, I just don't, I didn't, I don't get that. Why are we separating what Scripture has meant to be seamless? And, um, and so I'm aware that when we talk about issues like prophecy, like the gifts of the Spirit, I'm aware that these things have had historical potential of just ripping the church apart. It's not like I'm not aware that these are, these are issues that have plagued the church. But by God's grace, we're going to take a risk here and believe and just say, God, may that never happen to us. And we, may we be more actually like the Acts 2 church. Now, what you see in the Acts 2 church is what's the first thing they did um, they really held fast to the, the, the teachings of the apostles. You know, they held Scripture at a very high premium, and at the same time, they saw signs and wonders in their community. They did both. I, I, have, I've, I don't understand why we can't do both, and I don't understand why a church shouldn't do both. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy. So, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. Um, as you're doing that, I think now might be a good time to, to, to pray and call on God's name one, one more time just to kind of um, uh, take us through this. So I'm going to pray. Uh, Father, here is your word. And, uh, and I, I just pray that during this time we would have open hearts, just open hearts ready to receive what you have instructed in Scripture not coming with uh, preconceived notions or assumptions, but really saying, Father, teach me biblically. Open my mind to what you want to give me. And I pray that you would um, be doing something really special here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> uh, hey, Les, I, there's a little buzzing here, sound here. It's bugging me a little bit. Um, but I need to get focused anyways. Okay, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says this, Pursue love 
and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, now if you look in your bulletin, I, I defined uh, uh, prophecy by two people. One is by Sam Storms, another one is by Wayne Grudem. Those are trusted sources. Pursue love, the Apostle Paul says. By the way, when the Apostle Paul says pursue love, what kind of format is that language? That is the format of a what? It's a, it's a command, right? Or maybe command's too heavy. It's, these are instructions. These are like, hey, Paul is saying, I, sh- I think you should do this. You should pursue love. We're like, okay, right on. Now, now what's the second clause? Well, the second clause is another command. It's another instruction. And what is that? It's earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. This is something that you should do. You should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, among them, let me highlight one that I think is especially worthy of desiring. It's prophecy. Now, let me just stop right there and just say that I've been in the evangelical church for a long time. I haven't really heard this kind of teaching, that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I haven't. Now, I have listened to charismatic teachers, and they have emphasized this. I'm just saying, I'm just wondering, and maybe I can, can I be neutral and then just say, like, who's being, in, in this sense, more biblical? Like, Paul is saying you should desire this, and the charismatic church is kind of saying the same thing. I think, I think we should be biblical and desire these spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Okay, verse number two, let's go on. For one who speaks in a tongue, okay, let me just, I got to clarify this, but just let me finish the verse first. Speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, now I got to do a little bit of of explaining here. Um, Paul is writing to a church that was very gifted in the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But there's one gift that they love. There's one gift that they cherish. There's one gift where a group of them had the gift. And everyone's like, oh man, I want to be like that person. And those were the people with the gifts of tongues. Now, why was that gift kind of celebrated more than the other gifts? Well, it's not too hard to imagine why. It's a very, in a sense, flashy gift. Because if you're speaking in tongues, you are speaking like an angelic foreign language. And people don't understand what you're saying, but it's very exotic. It's like, wow, you, are, you, are, you have this glow of holiness around you. And so we would, like, look up to the people who could speak in tongues. Now, Paul's like, no, 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 no. You guys are not thinking right. That's not the way to think. You're not thinking as a mature Christian would think. Now, look, Christianity from God to our hearts, from our hearts to other people, it's all about love. Really, we're looking through the lens of love. Now, if love is the premier value, then you got to look at these spiritual gifts from that grid. Which gift best enables you to love other people? And he's like, actually, you guys, it's not tongues. The gift of prophecy is the better gift because the gift of prophecy helps you serve other people better. I mean, that's his argument. Okay, let's go to verse 3. On the other hand... The one who prophesies, now, now I love this because here's the scripture where Paul's like, I'm going to tell you the, pr- the purpose of prophecy. Here it is. Here's the threefold purpose, okay? On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their, number one, upbuilding, 
Number two, encouragement. And number three, consolation. Super clear. Why is prophecy better than other gifts such as tongues? Well, because prophecy directly builds people up, encourages people, and consoles people. Why is the gift of prophecy important? Well, because it builds people up, it encourages people, and it consoles people. When I first agreed to become lead pastor, I was secretly really scared inside. And so a friend of mine said, look, there is a pastor from Africa who's very gifted in these spiritual gifts. Why don't you come to this prayer meeting? And so I went to the prayer meeting, and then he was kind of praying for everyone. And the moment he prayed for me, he said, ah, this is Joshua who is stepping into a new role and a new season, and he's going to lead his church into the promised land. And then he started saying all these really encouraging things. Now, how do I know? I listened to that recording 12 times. I am not kidding you. Especially when I was depressed, especially when I was discouraged, I would pop in that recording and listen to that prophecy. And it really built me up. It built me up to the point where I'm like, why would anyone not want this? Why would anyone not pursue this? This is beautiful. This is so encouraging. It really, really helped me. Now, I think that's a fair question. Why would people not want this? Or let me put it this way. Paul's giving instructions to a church, and he's saying, you know, I'm encouraging you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Now, we can go broad. Like, I told you, I don't get it. Like, why is it that evangelical churches in America don't really pursue this? I don't know if I can, like, really fully grasp that. But why don't we take it more personal? Is this something that you want? Is this something that you are willing to pursue? Now, let's go even deeper. Is there some hesitation Is there this sense of like, no, I don't know, not really for me, I don't really want to do that? And if there is, why don't we just be honest and name it, okay? So, um, can can we do this? Can we turn to someone next to you and just share a little bit about your understanding and your feeling of prophecy? If there is a reason why you're like a little bit scared of it, you're like, no, I don't know if I really want to pursue that, then, then share a reason. Okay, I, I think that just be real. Okay, um, I'm gonna give you like, like one minute for, for, for you to share. Go ahead, share. One minute later, come back. And can the younger person share now? Okay, uh, can we bring it back? Um, 
I like that we're doing this, and I, and I like it because, I mean, look, we, we, can, we can share very, like, conceptually about prophecy, but really we got to interact with it on a personal level. Like, are there really some things that are preventing me from pursuing what Paul is instructing me to pursue? And I think those are just real things to, to talk about. Um, let me share... I, don't, I, I think I know my, my church pretty well. Uh, I shared a couple things. I'm going to share a couple things that I think might be there. I could be off. Maybe I'm not. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm um, on the same page as you guys. Number one is I think people would say something like, no, I'm very open to the gift. I just don't know anyone who, who has that gift. You know? And I don't think I have the gift. You know? Something like that. Um, I'm open to it. I just don't know who has it. I don't know where to get it. You know, how, how, how do you, how do, where do I start? Anyone had something like that? Okay, you know, two people. So, okay, I'm, I'm pretty off here. Um, okay, how about this one? This one, this, okay, this one. I don't know, this one's pretty deep, okay? But here's, here's, here's another thing I think might be there. Really fundamentally, it's a matter of control. Like, I'm not sure I want to be in a place where just weird, uncomfortable, unpredictable stuff is happening, so if it's a church that's doing that, I'm probably not wanting to be there because I like something a little bit more safe and something that I'm used to. Anyone, anyone say something like that? Okay, another person. Wow, okay. Well, okay, well, well here's the thing. Um, I, I would love to hear your responses. Please email me. I'm going to tell you mine. I'm going to tell you mine. Um, so far in this presentation, it probably sounds like I love prophecy, um, if I'm really honest with you in my journey, I would say I have some hesitations. Now, I'm going to just be honest about those hesitations. I'm going to share them with you, okay? Uh, here it is. At the very heart, okay, actually, better yet, let me just tell you a story that would maybe help you explain, would help explain why I hesitate a little bit when it comes to prophecy. When I graduated from college, I didn't know what to do with my life. So I was doing some really deep soul searching. And so who did I call? I called the person that actually um, brought me to the faith, Steve Evans. I, I talked about him when I first came to Christ. I called him. And <clears throat> Steve gave me a prophecy over the phone. And I, I told Steve how confused I was. I didn't know where to go in life. I didn't know what God was calling me to. And he said to me, he gave me a prophecy. He said, you know... Go ask your mother, because when you were in the womb, God told her something about you and your calling and who you would become, so go home and ask your mom. I'm like, okay, wow, I'm pretty excited. So that's what I did. My mom's in Walnut Creek. I said, mom, I'm coming home. She cooked me dinner. We had dinner. We went for a walk. I'm like, okay, now's the time. Now's the time. And so I'm walking with my mom like, hey, mom. Um, and I didn't tell her about my, my, my angst. I didn't tell her that. I just said, I said, mom, I was just wondering, like, when I was in your womb, <laughs> did, um, did God speak to you? Did God tell you, like, who I was going to become? And my mom goes, oh, um, no. Just like that. That. Now I'm thinking, okay, okay, I started off too holy, right? God speak to you. Okay, okay, I got to bring it down. Okay, but, but did, you know, did you just, like, during that time when, when you were pregnant, did you have, like, a dream? Or did you kind of feel like they whisper you or give, give you, like, just like, a little impression? 
oh, no. Like that. Okay, now I'm desperate. I'm like, okay, mom, when, when you had me, did you have like a feeling or just a desire of who your son would one day become? She goes, no. And then she goes, oh, 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 wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to be a girl. Okay, that was, that was like the first time I'm like, I don't know about this gift of prophecy anymore. I don't know about prophecy anymore. That was really it. That was the whole conversation. I just went home. I had my head down. I was depressed. You know, sometimes, if I'm being honest, prophecy is kind of screwy. Don't throw anything at me. I'm just being honest with my own journey, you know. And, and, uh, <clears throat> And before you think like this is just me, turn in your scripture to Acts 21. And I want to show you that um, I, I'm not the only one to actually observe this or think this way. This is Acts 21. Now, um, here's the context. Paul is going to Jerusalem. There's been a famine in Jerusalem, and so he went around and he collected monies from all these different churches. And now this is God's money for the poor in Jerusalem who desperately need it. And Paul is going to personally hand deliver this money. It's a big deal. It's a God-ordained mission. Paul is going to Jerusalem. Chapter 21.3. They sail to Syria. They land at Tyre. And on their way to Jerusalem, check this out. Check out what happens, verse 4. And having sought out the disciples... We stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. They're like, what? You, you, what? Okay, let me do general observation. Sometimes prophecy can be kind of screwy. I mean, that's my, that's my general observation. But continue in verse 8. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven. And stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. <clears throat> okay, now... <laughs> What, what is going on here, okay? Like, so did Paul disobey the Spirit by going to Jerusalem? That's, that's one theory. Did, did Agabus not hear from the Lord correctly? That's, that's another. What, what's going on? What's going on? This is very confusing, right? Now, I think if you analyze this on a deeper level, it's going to show you that there are at least three different parts to prophecy, and what you see is that all three parts have to work. And if there is a breakdown in just one part, the whole thing sort of doesn't work. Okay? So here are the three parts. Number one, it's the revelation. 
Number two, it's the interpretation. And number three, it's the application. Revelation is what God said. That makes sense. The interpretation is what does it mean? The application is what are we going to do with it? Now, if you look at, at what happened with Paul, Agabus, who seems to have a gift of prophecy, receives a revelation that the owner of this belt is going to be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. But it sounds like actually the revelation and the interpretation are kind of rolled into one. Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. You're going to be arrested. There is some hardship and some, some persecution and some imprisonment that's awaiting you in Jerusalem. Okay, that's the revelation and the interpretation. But notice this. What about the application? How do you apply it? People took the revelation and the interpretation. They said, it means, Paul, don't go. Now, Paul agreed in the revelation. Paul agreed in the interpretation. But Paul disagreed with the application. He says, no, 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 no. All this does not mean don't go. It means go and know that hardship is coming your way and bear it in the name of Jesus. He applied it totally differently. He agreed in the revelation. He agreed in the interpretation. But he didn't agree in the application. Which means that there's three different parts, and all three got to be in alignment with God for prophecy to be working. If there's one part where it's breaking down, the whole thing kind of breaks down. Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, sometimes when prophecy isn't working as it should, people want to uh, chuck the whole thing away. And uh, so Paul instructs us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And if we do that, I think inevitably you're going to experience the side of human error. And when you experience that, I think there will be a temptation to say, you know, maybe we should just chuck the whole thing away. I, I imagine Paul must have felt some of that at this episode. Certainly, I felt like that when my mom said, oh, yeah, and you, yeah, you were supposed to be a girl. I, I just feel like, okay, prophecy, we've got to just chuck the whole thing away. Now, is that what we should do? I, I am predicting that if you take Paul's instruction seriously, like, actually, I'm going to pursue prophecy, you will inevitably come to this point where there are prophecies that are just confusing, that are off the grid, makes you scratch your head. You're like, I don't know what to do with this. And then you will inevitably come to this point, I think we just got to chuck the whole thing away. Is that what we should do if we go on this journey? Well, um, after some time passed, Paul was writing to a church that experienced some of this. Actually, maybe, maybe a fair amount of this. The human error side of prophecy. And I think the church was just thinking about chucking the whole thing out. But Paul comes up with a resolution. Now, let me point out, the resolution is not just chuck the whole thing out. But on the other hand, the resolution is not, oh, just turn a blind eye. You know, just be, just be Pollyanna about the whole thing. No, 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 no. This is what Paul is suggesting as the way forward. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 22. Actually, it's more than a suggestion. It is more instruction and it is more of a command. This is what Paul says. He says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
Paul says, do not despise prophecies. Don't despise them. Don't scoff at them. Don't roll your eyes at them. It's like he's saying, I know they can be screwy sometimes. I know. But don't despise it. Don't reject it. Don't quench the Spirit. Test everything. Paul's resolution is something that we have a saying for. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I mean, we have a saying for this. Paul is saying the way forward is not to throw it out, but it's not to be gullible either. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. What is the positive form of that? It's welcome them. Here's the thing. Test it. Now, a person who is innocent and mature thinks that whatever a prophet says has to be true, has to be gold. Paul said, no, 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 no. Have maturity. It can be faulty. There's a human error side to it. It's vulnerable. It can be vulnerable to human error. And it's, imagine Paul is saying, and when that happens, don't get all tripped out about it. Test it. Now, really quickly, four ways that you can test it. Test it with Scripture. Okay, that's number one. Number two, test it by running, running it through someone who is spiritually wise, friends, mentors. Test it, number three, by evaluating the track record of the person who's giving you the prophecy. Number four, test it by asking for confirmation from God. Those are just four different kinds of tests. Have the mindset that I'm going to take what is good and I'm going to keep it for my own encouragement in Christ and the other stuff, the stuff that's not helpful, is going to throw it away. Is going to throw it away. Water off a duck's back. That's the mature mindset. That's the way forward that Paul recommends. Now listen, I, I know I haven't given you a lot of practical tools for people that want to develop the gift of prophecy um, for themselves. Um, I actually feel like the, the better way to work on that is like in a seminar setting. And maybe individually reading a book. So I'm going to give you one book recommendation. It's by Sam Storms, and it's called Practicing the Power. Now, um, let me just kind of give an endorsement uh, for the book in this way. Um, there are gospel-centered preachers like Matt Chandler who have a very, very high view of Scripture and also believe in the power of the Spirit. And they're also like me wondering, how come the church, the evangelical church doesn't marry these two, the, the high view of Scripture and practicing the power? And so he writes a little bit of a foreword in this book and says, and he basically in this, in this foreword says, finally, I've been waiting for a book like this for like 15 years and it's finally here. It's called Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. It's a great read. It's very helpful. Now, let me also give you another recommendation. Um, during the, the first Saturday of the month, we have a prayer meeting where about eight of us will gather. And then during this prayer meeting where we pray for an hour and a half, maybe about five, ten minutes of time, we'll listen to the Holy Spirit We'll share what we heard from the Holy Spirit, and we'll just kind of pray accordingly. Now, you guys are all invited to come and join us. It's the first Saturday of every month. I, I just think it's good to start in a safe and small environment with people that you trust where you can just continue to nurture and grow this gift and to be obedient to Paul who says, eagerly seek the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. 
So I, I hope this message is going to encourage you to cultivate this gift. I mean, I was being very raw and honest about my own experience. Um, prophecy has played a significant role in my life, and I think it could really encourage you, build you up, and console you. I just want to leave you with one last story. In 2007, my, my cousin Evelyn and her husband Earl, they were in China on a short-term missions trip. You know, it's really cool, just like Gordon and the team were short-term missions trip to China. Now, it's interesting, so they're, they're, they're going on this short-term missions trip, and then right away, they meet a missionary couple who says, there's a very sick baby that was abandoned in the local hospital. You need to come. You need to come and take a look. You need to come and help. And so they, they introduce this, this adorable, tiny, six-pound baby to my cousin and, and Evelyn and to Earl. And then they're like, by the way, we got to go. And so they leave. So here's this baby, and you guys are the guardians of this baby. It was the third day they were in China. Yeah, this might happen to you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think it's going to happen to you. But you never know what God will do, and that's what God did. So they found themselves on day number three, the guardians of this tiny little baby who was in the ICU. Beautiful little girl, and um, her, they, named her, they named her Anastasia, which is the New Testament Greek word for rebirth and resurrection. A- Anna had a medical problem. You see, when she was born, her esophagus wasn't connected to her stomach. And so she couldn't eat. She couldn't digest anything. It wouldn't go down the tube to her stomach. So clearly, if she doesn't get some surgery, she's going to die. And so they, they kind of like uh, became guardians of this tiny little girl, all these tubes around her, you know, uh, oxygen, food, medicines. She's barely hanging on to life. And the doctor said that if... Um, if the pneumonia doesn't clear up and if she doesn't gain weight, they can't operate. So Evelyn and Earl, they have connections around the world. They're just sending out this prayer. You've got to pray for this little beautiful girl. And so, the, you know, all, all their friends around the world are praying uh, for her. And then um, there is one time, it was on a Saturday night where they're at the hospital and the doctor kind of pulls them aside and says, well, listen, I just got to be honest with you guys as to what's happening here. Um, we're, we're, we're thinking about doing the surgery, but here's the thing. Our hospital's never done any surgery like this. I don't think we can do it. I mean, they, they, we might say that we're going to do it, but we've never done it. So that you really need to take this baby and go to a major city and get the operation over there. But then Earl's like, we don't have the paperwork. We don't have the documentation. You need to just take a baby and just go. It's not going to work. And so they felt very hopeless. So the next day was Sunday, and they go to church. And it's a congregation of about 200 English-speaking foreigners. And at the beginning of worship, an elder comes up and says, I just sense the presence of the Lord very strongly, like right here in the front. And so we're just going to change the service a little bit. And if anyone has some special prayer needs, why don't you come to the front? Earl's like, I think 
And so Earl comes to the front. They talk to Earl, and somehow they wind up giving Earl the mic. And so <laughs> Earl turns 200 people, and he shares the story of Anna. We, we're here on Short Term's Missions. We went to the local hospital. We found this little baby. She's beautiful. Got all these. Her stomach is not connected to her esophagus, and she needs surgery, and we need to go out of the, out of the city to go get the surgery, and we don't know what to do. So then the church just stops their service. They all gather around and they lay hands on the family. And this is what happens. There are three prophecies that are given from the elders and the people who are praying. The first prophecy was that Jesus was holding the baby and Jesus loves on baby. And just loves the baby. The second prophecy was that a person saw an esophagus connected to a stomach. And so he said, look, I'm not saying that, I mean, maybe it's medically it's going to happen through surgery or maybe it's going to happen miraculously. I'm just saying that's what I saw. And then the third prophecy was like a rubber stamp, you know, like a passport and a rubber stamp. And, the, and, and, and they felt like the stamp means that you're going to have access to go and take the baby out of the city. So Evelyn is sharing this and she's like, you know, we left the the church service that day, we came and we were so hopeless and we left and we were so encouraged. So God is in this. God is going to do something. And she said, she said, Angie, you know what happened? Everything they prophesied, and by the way, those prophecies are pretty risky, you know, to say that I saw an esophagus connected to it. She said, all those prophecies came true. Like, pretty quickly, we got the funding, we got the paperwork, we took Anna out, of the city, and then, and then there was a doctor with laser technology connected the esophagus to the stomach, and then she says this, the surgery was a great success. Today, Anna is a great eater. She's adopted into our family and our beloved third child. Church, Paul says, don't despise this gift. It's a wonderful gift. It comes with human error. Maturity understands that. And receives the gift with grace. Church, would you do the same? I'm going to pray for us. And uh, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Father, I thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I trust that we will have received this message with open hearts. And I pray that through your Spirit, you will show us how to cultivate and what are some next steps. Father, I also pray that if some of us are still hesitating, still kind of looking at this very tenuously, I just pray that we might come to you and be real and just kind of work it out. But I thank you that you come to us and you listen to all of our objections and you talk to us like your kids. Help us to continue to grow. I do pray that this message, maybe it's kind of new for some people, I pray that it would spark some new thought, thought, some new prayer, and some new growth. All for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.